This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here today. I am really excited about this guest. Brooke Romney joins us today. Brooke is the mom of four boys. She is the author of a few books. Her most recent book, 52 Modern Manners for Kids, and she has one 52 Modern Manners for Teens as well, helps you give your kids practical ideas for how to live in this world and interact with adults and other people. You know, like growing up can feel kind of awkward and hard. Like, do I shake that person's hand? How do I say hello? How do I introduce myself? All that. And her book simplifies things like that. Uh, I am really excited. She actually just sent me a copy. I haven't read it yet, but I'm excited to dive into it. And it's one of those flip books that you can just leave out and your kids can flip through it. You can do like a manner a week. It's 52 manners. So So Brooke's oldest is 21, and I believe her youngest is around 12. So she's a few steps ahead of me, and we talk about teenage friendship. We talk about how to help our kids stay out of the drama, and I just like get real with some motherhood stuff that I'm going through, and Brooke is a huge encouragement to me, and I hope she's a huge encouragement to you as well. If you want to learn more about Brooke, just go to brookromney.com. And friends, if you are looking for some legit energy before you work out, you're looking for a way to bring oxygenated blood to your muscles, 2B4 is the product I've been taking. It's made with New Zealand blackcurrant berries, and it helps you with your athletic efficiency. It increases your endurance, supports your immunity, manages inflammation, and promotes adaptation. And you can save 30% when you go to 2B4.com and use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, at checkout. That's 2, the number 2, before.com, and use the code Lindsay at checkout for 30% off a 20-pack. All right, friends, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a quick rating and review. I know I say it every week, but go do it. It is such a huge help. If you enjoy this, it really does help. And I check those ratings and reviews every week. All right. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Brooke Romney. All right, friends, today on Why Is Everyone Yelling? We have Brooke Romney on the show. Welcome to the show, Brooke. Thank you. So happy to be here, Lindsay. So happy to have you. You are coming to me in a time in my life where I need I need it. I need it. I need it. I need it. Um, also, the mom of four boys like you, and my oldest is 11, so you could teach me a thing or two. This is so fun. You are just entering such incredible years, so I can't wait to chat all about it. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background and history with parenting, teens, advice, all that good stuff. I would love to. So I am also a mom of four boys. Like you said, my oldest is uh, 21 down to 18, 16, and then my youngest is 11. And what I found was I really, during those teen years, was looking for a community, um, people to talk to. Everyone was talking about toddlers and nap time and food. And that was an intense time, absolutely. And then we moved to the teen years 
And I was like, why isn't anyone talking about anything? And I felt very isolated. And even your close friends want to protect their, you know, mm-hmm. team's privacy and things like that. And um, we were going through all the new things and all the transitions. And I wanted to know, is this normal? What are other families doing? And there was not a space for that. And so I decided to create one. And as I did that, I realized how many other parents were hungry for a space where they could learn about teens, talk about teens, figure out parenting, and also have some hope and joy and uplifting, um, kind of shifting the narrative from this is so hard, these years are going to be awful, to how are we going to make these years incredible, which is why I wrote my books and my community was so helpful with that. But I absolutely love the space I'm in and I feel such an honor to be able to be there and help walk other parents through some of those interesting transitions. Yeah, I'm curious how you do this um, while keeping your kids privacy. I know you don't like put all these like personal stories about your kids out there. Um, And one of the reasons I'm starting to like do these interviews like this and try to connect is because for the first time I found myself in this situation where I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going through these like big hard things. Who do I actually talk to because you do want to keep your kids privacy, even with, like you said, with your close friends, like you don't want other parents judging your kid or thinking one thing about your kid when you know your kid is this like beautiful, amazing human, even though there's these big struggles. Yes. I think that it's so hard for every parent and I got a little bit lucky. So I didn't start talking about teens until I had three. So I had Mm. my first three kids in three and a half years And so as I started talking about teens, I talked more about me and the things Mm. I was going through and less about what they were going through. And then as my community grew, I got a lot of DMs from parents asking for help and advice in certain areas. And that way I was able to make it broader and more general and not all about my own kids. But yes, I empathize so much with every parent who wants help, who wants to connect, who wants to share, um, and they aren't quite sure who's safe, how to do it well, and do it without breaking the trust of your child. That's so true. I know. I mean, honestly, like the other day I was walking up to play pickleball with some friends and one of my friends who has two kids, like a baby and like a four-year-old, is like, oh, how's the beginning of the school year going? And I'm like, well, <laughs> like, I'm like, I want to be so honest, but like I can't even get into it right now. There's just so many things. And you don't want to be the parent that's like, oh, you just wait. It gets harder for so many different reasons, you know? Yeah, that's one of the, I feel like that's one of the worst things we do as moms is kind of comparing the hard because it was really hard in all different stages and it was really beautiful in all different stages. And there's times I would go back and there's times I would never go back. Um, And so I think it's important (laughs) for us to support each other without, you know, that doom and gloom. Right. But... But you also, one of the things that I love to remind parents is even though it's their story, it's your story too. Mm. This is the story that you're going through and you're walking through it too, and you're going to need some help and support. And so I really encourage parents to find that one person. Um, I like it to be outside of the family just because everyone's so into it in the family and everyone has such different feelings. So I love looking to a mom who's like 10 years down the road from me who will listen to, this is what my 12-year-old did. And they were like, okay, it's hard and that's going to be fine. We've been through that. And they know how important it is to keep the trust. Sometimes 
a mom that's right on your stage will be shocked by something or, or spread that around. Or, and sometimes a mom who's younger will think, oh, I, my, my kid would never do that. My kids are so <laughs> sweet, you know? So it's nice to go to a parent who's already been there. And, and if you don't have someone, I really encourage you to find mm. like a therapist that you can talk to. It's really, really lonely if you have to do it all by yourself. It's so true. You know, um, one of the issues we're walking through, I've been talking to my mom because I just want my mom to be filled in. But the other day I talked to her about it a little bit and I was like, I, I prefaced it with, I'm just updating you. I don't want advice. Like I don't want opinions. I know you have the best of intentions, but like I, I can't intake that right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and family cares so much about our kids too. It, it's so close to them. And so sometimes it's a little easier for everyone to just go just right outside that to someone who cares, but isn't so invested in the child that you love. Right. Because it's, and it's hard too, because, you know, as a mom, you see your own mom thinking, oh my gosh, I just want to make it all better. Like I want my daughter to not be struggling with her son so much. And I want my grandson to be happy. And so it's like the best of intentions, but yeah, I mean, I try to put myself in my mom's position feeling both helpless and wanting to help. And that's got to be hard too. Well, and if you think about it as parents, how we feel the pain of our child, right? So we feel it twice. We feel it for them. And then we also feel it for us. And your mom is feeling it for you and for her grandson and for her. And and it's a lot. So, you know, of course, like involving them and, and having them care about the people in your life. But then also looking for a little, somebody with a little more distance that can offer really good advice that doesn't feel personal, that doesn't feel like, oh man, you're being a horrible parent. I don't know what you're doing, you know? Hey friends, are you looking for the best pillow ever? I am not kidding. Pillows are super important and the older I get, the more important they are. And I have looked near and far and Lagoon Sleep has the best pillows on the market. You fill out a two-minute sleep survey and they match you up with a pillow that is specific for the way you sleep, whether it's on your back, your side, whether you are a hot sleeper, a cool sleeper, if you want a lot of firmness, a little firmness, and then they send you the stuffing and you fill it as much or as little as you want. It's truly incredible. Um, I have the Otter and I love it. It is a nice cooling pillow and they also have these nice silky pillowcases now. So go check it out at lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay. Use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y for 15% off your order. Go check it out. Grab yourself a pillow and get some good sleep. All right, friends, back to the show. Um, okay, so your first is your, was your first book the I Like Me Anyway book? It was, yes. Okay, tell us a little bit about that book. So that is a book about my own spiritual and um, kind of self-improvement understanding journey. And I wrote that one. Um, it was in 2019. And it was a place for all of the thoughts and lessons that I had learned to go. Mm. And I love that book. It has my heart in it. I know it's not for every reader, but there is a lot of um, just perspective that I learned through parenting and through difficult things that helped remind me, which is the title, that I can like myself regardless of the situation and encouraging others to kind of find that in their own story, that perfection is unnecessary and that connection is what keeps us grounded and hopeful during the difficult times. 
Mm. And your other books, 52 Modern Manners for Kids, um, I need to know more about that. Like, (laughs) help me out here. Yes, we scheduled this podcast so quick, or I would have sent one right to you. But my first one was actually 52 Modern Manners for Teens. And um, it is a flip up. It's a stand up book. And it has, so I'm going to show you just, so this is what it looks like. And it has a manner on each side. It says, so this one says, introduce yourself, gives a little bit of information on the front about what that looks like. And then on the back, it gives more, a little bit more of like the why. And I wrote this book mostly because I had my own teenagers and I was watching as they didn't quite know all the things that I thought they would know. And and that's a humbling experience. I also was observing Um, how different kids were feeling very successful. And those were the ones who had high emotional intelligence, Mm. high social intelligence, kids who just got social norms, kids who understood how to do relationships, kids who understood how to be aware and um, what was right and wrong in a specific situation. And as I was watching, so I had my own teens. I had a lot of teens in my home. I was at the middle school a lot. I was working, working with kids in church. I was watching two different groups of kids, the ones who get it, Mm. and their lives seemed infinitely more easy and enjoyable. Mm -hmm. They were in a positive feedback loop because they were doing things the right way. I watched another group of kids um, who didn't quite get it. And whether that was because they weren't taught at home, they had neurodiversity, they just didn't care. Um, those kids were in a negative feedback loop. And as I watched them through the teen years, I watched one group rise and the other one really struggle. And I thought the things they're missing are so simple. Mm. These aren't like you have to get an A in calculus. Mm -hmm. This is like, introduce yourself, pitch in, Um, don't leave just one person out. I mean, things that felt very natural to me. But as I was watching the world, they were growing up in, for one, they have cell phones. So their eyes were down, their headphones were in. They weren't observing what was working for other people. We'd had COVID. So even if they wanted to observe, there was nobody to observe to interact. Um, And then they were kind of forced into this social experiment where they lived online for quite a few years. And then they were expected to walk back into the world and feel very competent and confident And that just wasn't the case for so many kids. And I had this intense desire to give kids who struggle with that an opportunity to learn how to do better. And for those who already kind of got it, a chance to feel especially successful because they were doing it with intention. Mm. And so that was the beginning of Modern Manners for Teens. And it has been incredibly useful and helpful And we've seen amazing changes in families, including my own. I love it so much. So I'm curious how you implement it. Like I, one of the things I do tell my kids, I try to like, I was just talking, having a conversation with them about this yesterday. I was like, ask people questions about themselves. And I was like, you know, if you're ever in a place where like, it feels awkward or like nobody's talking, just start asking them questions about their life. Like everybody likes to be asked about themselves. And I don't know how ingrained that's going to get in their heads. I don't know if they're going to remember to do that. Um, but 
you know, that's something I really learned from my mother-in-law. She was the best at doing that. She always makes people feel special because she asked about their lives. So with this little like flip book way you do it, like, do you, do you go over one a day and how do you, cause you know, when you like try to teach a lesson, your kids, especially with boys, too much talking is just too much talking. Oh. <laughs> Well, and that is why I created something like this because I had boys who weren't interested in let's sit and chat about how to live a successful life. (laughs) And so when I made this book, I said, like, I have a tough, um, I have a tough squad that is not easily impressed or, uh, willing or easily willing. So that's why I made the manners really short and catchy. So each manner has like a catchphrase. So, you know, it says like pitch in. So there's common language in a family. Mm-hmm. So we have a manner like you talked about where it says, um, I can't remember the exact phrase, but it says, if you're struggling to connect, make an observation, then ask a question. Mm-hmm. So it we talk about there's a common language. Then it tells them quickly how to do that, what that looks like. And then for my kids, a why was necessary. What's in it for me? And that whole what's in it for me really helped them understand this. These manners aren't about making your mom and dad look like they're great parents. These manners are about giving you a chance at being more successful. And so what we do is we would do one manner a week. There's 52. So there's one per year. And then the nice thing is, is we left it out because I know as a mom, you have all these great intentions, just like I do, where you read something in a book and you're like, oh, I'm going to tell my kids that we're going to implement it in the family. This is already implemented. It's already, you're going to leave it out all week. They can take it in again. They can be reminded again and you can be reminded again. Um, That's really what I love about it. The other thing that was really important to me is I have one child who is really uninterested in those types of conversations. Mm. And I know there's lots of teens out there who are the same way. And so this is a learn on your own if you have a kid like that. If they're not that interested in having the kumbaya moment with their family, you can just put it out and they are going to see it and they are going to read it. And one of my favorite stories is there's a mom who she says, I had a prickly 14-year-old son who I was sure would think that this was ridiculous. And he did. But (laughs) I came home one day to find him in his room with the book Mm. because kids want to be successful, especially when they're struggling. If there are small hints and cheat codes, they are going to engage with them. And um, I, after I did the first Modern, Modern Manners book, I did a volume two, which elevated things a little bit more about how to live a good life. We talk about celebrating others, not making fun of questions, showing up, things like that, that kind of elevate beyond simple manners. And then I recently, um, in October, just came out with the modern manners for kids because parents were like, I want to start this journey earlier. I want it to be applicable to my younger kids. I don't want to wait until they're 13 for them to start these things. And so it's been really fun seeing the response, seeing the changes in families and seeing the confidence in the kids they are using these manners and the way they're positively affecting their life and their path. I like that you brought up the kid that's like, what's in it for me? Because I, my oldest, I can just see it right now. It's like, well, what, why does that matter? Like, and it's hard because you're like, why are you so selfish? Totally. <laughs> but it's their brain development. They're just not there yet. A hundred percent. And it's just fine. And, and as we adapt and help them understand, and then as they start to put them into practice, they're going to feel what's in it for them. Because mm-hmm. when they're a great house guest, 
And when they're kind to their friend's younger siblings, all of a sudden, they're the one that's always welcome in their friend's house. They're the one that gets invited to the fun weekend away because those parents really enjoy that friend. (laughs) There's a lot of good things that they're going to start seeing. And it's really incredible to watch them soften, adapt. And, And we won't always see it in our own home. But really, we really want them to be using this outside of our home so that they can start feeling um, just a little boost in self-esteem, especially the ones that struggle a little bit anyway. They're going to really see some big impact from using these maps. Yeah. Don't you wish you could be a fly on the wall like when you when it happens, like when it goes down and you're like, so much. Oh, just like, <laughs> you know, so proud, at, you know, but you don't, you're not seeing it at home. So you don't necessarily know and they aren't necessarily going to tell you they did it. Right, right. That's when you're really glad for a text from a friend's parents or an email from a teacher. Those mean a lot. Ooh, let's talk about that. I love that. I've heard you talk about this before and um, it feels so good and validating when someone compliments your kid. It's so incredible because I think especially during those teen years, you know, parents are that safe place. They often get dumped on. They often see the worst side of their kids. And I think I think it's important to encourage our kids to show us the good side too. Um, Being in a family, we are teaching them really how to behave as an adult. So while we need to be that safe place, we also need to make sure that there are boundaries of, I'm sorry, that's not okay here. I'm sorry, we don't treat each other that way. You're going to have to try again Um, so that they don't walk into the world and think that's normal. But it means so much to know that what you are teaching at home is being used outside Um, in the real world, especially because we don't spend every second observing our teens like we did our toddlers. We don't see every big milestone. We don't see every kind thing they do. And so for anyone listening who has a friend or who teaches teenagers um, or even interacts with them, just a quick text, a little note on the mailbox, an email, it goes so far to help parents understand that their kids really are doing well. They're progressing. Sometimes we just don't get the front row seat to that. Oh, for sure. Okay. I want to talk about um, like teen parenting and how to help your kids stay away from the drama. (laughs) That one is so tricky. And what is so interesting, so I have four boys and two of them are very interested in the drama and two are not at all. (laughs) And it's always so funny to me because there are times when I think a situation is very big because of the person who told me about it. Uh-huh. And other times where I haven't he- haven't even heard of a very big situation because the person who's involved doesn't even think to tell me. So, yeah. so it's very different. Um, but one of the things I like to encourage is, so your child comes home and let's say they're left out. So so-and-so invited everyone over, they didn't invite me, like, this is, they're such a jerk, you know, so they're going through this and it's, it's very dramatic and it's very hard. So the first thing that I always like to do is empathize with them or help them understand that you're on their team, you understand what they're saying. It's really easy for us as parents to be like, oh my gosh, that's not a big deal, move yeah. on. You know, like, and and while that might be true, it it feels like a very big deal to them. So saying, that's really hard. You know, every time I'm left out, it hurts too. And I'm sorry, you're going through that. So starting with empathy and, and that might happen in a, in another dramatic situation, right? They're telling you all about something at school. So we'll, we'll go through two scenarios. So the first one is if they're left out and you say, really sorry, that's really hard. 
Um, and then when, when they feel like they've been heard, you can coach them through their situation a little bit. So you can say something like, now, was everyone invited? Was everyone invited to, you know, Jim's house after school? Well, no, three people were though. Oh, okay. You know, so, so we really only had three people. Are you, are you close friends with Jim? Well, you know, kind of like we know each other. Okay. So if you were to choose three friends to invite to our house, would it be Jim? Cause I've never met Jim. So I, I don't know how close you guys are. Well, no, I wouldn't. Would you like to get to know Jim better? Would you like to invite him over? Yeah, you know, maybe or maybe maybe not, you know, and walking them through, kind of helping them dial down the drama, helping them be very um, realistic about what's going on. And sometimes it is. Sometimes it's like, yes, Jim is my best friend and he didn't invite me and I'm so hurt. And you can say, yeah, that's really difficult. And I'm so sorry. You know, maybe are there other people you'd like to invite over today? Just because, you know, just because somebody makes our situation feel less fun doesn't mean we don't still have control over whether or not we have a good time today. Helping them understand that they have control over the life that they're living. I think as a teenager, a lot of times it feels very out of control. Like life is happening to you instead of you are in your own life. And so helping them understand that they can decide how they feel. They can decide who who they're friends with, things like that. Um, that makes hard things a little less dramatic. Mm. The second situation is there is a lot of, let's say there's a lot of drama. There's a, a big piece of news at school and they're telling you all about it. And let's say there was a fight. There was a fight at school and they come home and they're full of information. And one of the things that I think a lot of parents like to do because they're uncomfortable with, with the situations that their kids are telling them about is just shut it down. But really the best thing we can do is ask them, like, how did you feel about that? That sounds really intense and a little overwhelming to me. How did you feel about that? Um, our kids often are testing us when they're telling us about big situations. How would my mom react to this? Is she open enough for me to tell her if something like this happens? You know, if I get in a fight, can I come home and say, this is what happened? And so really approaching situations like that with, how did you feel? And then and then being able to add your values to the conversation. You know, fighting doesn't seem like a really great way to resolve things. You know, have you ever felt like you wanted to fight someone? Do you ever get that angry? What do you do so it doesn't escalate to that? Using these very new, like scary, really, situations, especially your first time, to open up conversation, to add connection, and to help your child wade through how they feel about things, what their values are, what they might do in the future. So they don't feel scared of these things. They feel prepared even of something that might be new, big, you know, and quite intimidating. Hey friends, a quick plug here for my training plans that I sell on my website at lindsayhine.com. If you are looking to train for your first marathon, your first half marathon, or you're looking to set some time goals, you want to break four hours, you want to break 3.30, you want to Boston qualify, whatever your goals might be. Maybe it's that you want to break two hours in the half marathon. Maybe you want to break three hours in the half marathon. I have a training plan for you from beginner to advanced with a pace chart with pre and post run stretching and strength routines. Go to lindsayhine.com to grab a training plan, 
Also, if you are looking to train for your first 5K, I've got a plan for you there too. That's lindsayhine.com. All right, friends, back to my conversation with Brooke Romney. Okay, so your oldest being 21, you've experienced, you experience all these new things, right, as your kids are teens. And I'm curious, like, when something has happened that you're like, wow, never thought that would happen to me. Like, what is your first step when you, you're like, I've actually never read anything about, like, how to handle this situation. I don't know anybody who's gone through this. This might be really strange, but... When those things happen, a lot of times I will take myself out of the situation and take a pause and figure out what I want this conversation to look like in the end. Mm. So when we're looking back on this very intense, possibly horrible situation, what do I want the story to be of how we handled it together? Mm -hmm. And I'm the only one. I can only control myself. Right. And so what do I want that to look like in a month, in five years, in 10 years? What do I want that to be? I want that to be a time where we were connected, where I was able to help walk my child through something that was very difficult, which means, and this, I don't know if people feel this way, but which means acting a little bit, acting like the person I want to be. Acting like the parent that I want to be, it is not natural. Natural is, are you freaking kidding me? That is natural, right? And and it doesn't mean that you're lovely or that, you know, there are no consequences, but my initial reaction really needs to be one of love and trust and connection, which some parents think that's all you need to know. No, there are still consequences. There are still boundaries. There are still, you know, ways that we have to fix things. Um, But when it starts with love and connection and empathy, then it moves into something where we say, okay, so since you snuck out, I'm not able to trust you with the car. And until I feel like we, I can trust you with the car, I'm sorry, but you don't have car keys anymore and I will be driving you to where you need to go, which is hard on me too. I don't want to be driving you. I want you to have independence. So let's work on rebuilding that trust. And, And when I feel like you're back to that and when we're having open conversations and when I know you're not going to sneak out again, I will give you the car keys back. Um, logical consequences I think are really important. And sometimes that takes a day to figure out what those look like and how that matches. Um, you have a child who is, not turning in their assignments, that's a problem. And there has to be some consequences for that. And so maybe that's, you know, after school, your phone is on downtime until 6 p.m. And until those assignments get start getting turned in, you know, your phone will be off until I see that you're able to use your time wisely. That's not you didn't turn your homework in. I'm taking your phone. That is, it looks like you're having a hard time prioritizing what's important. The phone is the problem that seems to be getting in the way. I'm going to remove the problem so you have a better opportunity to finish your assignments and be on top of things. And I'm absolutely okay to give you that back when you've shown me that you can utilize your time well. Helping our kids understand that mistakes happen and we're not expecting perfection. You can say something like, I know that when I'm trying to get my work done, 
having my phone next to me is a huge distraction. So I don't blame you that you're struggling with that. That's not something that is unusual even for an adult. So I'm going to help you figure out how to prioritize. I have to do that for myself in order to get the work done that I need to do. Um, There's a lot of ways for us to use boundaries Mm -hmm. and give our kids consequences that look a lot more like love than punishment. Yeah. You know, it's interesting in this like world of uh, positive parenting and all this, like a lot of your language is that. Um, but what I've struggled with in trying to understand these methods is that consequence piece. Because, you know, I talk to a lot of experts who will be like, the timeout doesn't work. This doesn't work. And I'm like, well, sometimes that's the only thing that, that will work. You know, um, recently I didn't want to do this, but like, we made my son miss soccer practice because we knew that like he cared about soccer practice so much and no other consequence was helping him decide like this behavior isn't worth it, you know? And it, and it actually worked for the week. And I struggle because I'm like, you don't want to take away the thing that they love and that they thrive in and that they feel the best in, but I didn't know what else to do. I think that's one of the things that I've learned more than anything with parenting is there are ideals. Yeah. But unfortunately, not all of our kids are going to respond to ideals. I think it's important to start at the ideal, right? I would love for all of my children to be so self-motivated that all I had to do was like, you know, give them a, you're doing a great job and they're going to keep going. That works for some kids, but it just doesn't work for all. I think it's important for parents to do what works in their home without, as long as it's not demeaning or harmful, you know, doing what works in their home. There's a parent that I know who pays their child for grades. I know that that is not the ideal. Ideally, we want our kids to be internally motivated to be educated. When you've done all you can to work on that and it's not working and they are willing to get 20 bucks for doing well because they're motivated by money. I think it's interesting because sometimes we forget that teens are just people. Mm -hmm. Some of us are really motivated by doing a great job. Some of us are really motivated by having consequences that make us do a great job. Some of us are really motivated by having money that's paid to us to do a great job. Those are all just part of our own motivation. And I think it's important as a parent to figure that out. And as long as you're doing things that are working towards, you know, end goals of them being good, responsible, aware, kind humans, I think those things work. And I think we oftentimes get so trapped in, Mm -hmm. but you should be self-motivated. Well, you should, but you're not. (laughs) So what's next? Or you should want to, you know, be a, a kind person. You should. You're super selfish right now and you literally can't see past the next five minutes. So we're going to have to figure out something that gives you a more immediate consequence than you'll really wish you were this person down the road, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. And it's just proof too. you know, having four kids, you realize like that might work for one of my kids and it doesn't work for the other ones. Like one of my three of my kids can self-regulate way better than one of my kids. And so the the tactics just have to be different. There's just not one size fits all. And I also think it's unkind and and not helpful to try and force someone who I have I have one child who needed an immediate consequence. Mm-hmm. The idea of your grades at the end of a term that just yeah. wasn't enough to do homework all all term, you know, that just wasn't enough. And so 
for his sake, we had to have some things that were little like light posts along the way, like this has to be done by now. We have to work on this now. You know, other kids are really excited about trying new things. They want to jump into everything. So you don't have to, you hardly have to motivate that at all. Others are really nervous and and worried. And so you may have to do a little bit more pushing. You may have to do a little, dangle a little carrot out there. So they're willing to give something a try. Um, our kids are also different. It's really easy to parent from an armchair looking on to someone else's family. But when you're in the middle of it and and you know what your child needs and, and you can trust that, and when you're doing it with love and connection, I think there's always really great things that can happen. And when it doesn't work or when you think, oh, that wasn't the best parenting tactic, you apologize, you try something new and you move on. Yeah, I know. I, I had to learn the hard way with my oldest, like, separating him and putting him in his room and the timeout thing was never, it's never an option with him because that, that separation, it causes him more anger and anxiety. Whereas like one of my kids, it's like, Oh, it'll work. He'll go in his room and he'll be in there for 15 minutes and he'll come out a different person. And he also won't like try to fight me and bang down the door to get out of the room, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a hard concept to understand. Like this just doesn't work for every kid. Um, yeah. And, and there are kids where very few things really work. Um, especially ones who, you know, you got to figure out like, what is their motivator? Like you said, like soccer was his motivator. I have one that is motivated by control. They want to control the situation. So how do you do that though? That one's really difficult. But what I found is, um, giving them some modem of control. So when we could say things like, Hey, we're going to, Instead of we're going to dinner, it's we're going to go to dinner. These are the four restaurant options. Is there one that sounds good to you? Um, we noticed that he was happiest when there weren't a lot of parameters put around him. So finding sports and teams that allowed like more freedom, more movement, more autonomy, um, that was important. When he would be in school, we would... Um, you know, let him choose the classes that he was more interested in, even if we had a different idea, because he would be more bought into those kinds of classes. Now for kids like that, they still have to learn that sometimes you're not in control and sometimes you have to do what you're supposed to do anyway. But we found, you know, even vacations, um, going to an amusement park with long lines where you just had to wait your turn, not super fun for him. Mm-hmm. So we did a lot more like hiking, exploring, beach, where there was a lot more freedom. Those were much more enjoyable vacations for us. Or if we did an amusement park, it was one day and then, you know, a lot of free time after that. So really starting to understand who your kids are, what motivates them. Some are motivated by money. Some are motivated by friends, you know, and all those things are okay. There's nothing right or wrong about what motivates us. Um, it's easier on parents to have kids who are motivated by pleasing their parents. That's a fun one, (laughs) but that isn't always, (laughs) (laughs) I know moms and boys don't usually get very many of those. Um, but just, just understanding them, knowing them, figuring out what makes it work for them and then using those ideas, um, to their gain so that you can help them become the people that they really want to be. I I am going to pick up your, the 52 manners book. I love the idea. I mean, that is just what I want. I just want my boys to be out in the world being like good contributors and people that are uplifting other people and, you know, all the things that you witness a young man doing and you're like, oh man, I hope that I can see that in my boys someday. And it's so hard because you just 
you don't you don't know what the outcome's going to be no matter how yeah. hard you try. No, you don't. But the thing that I love about these books and one of the reasons why I wrote them is because as a parent, you can at least say at the end, I worked really hard. Yeah. I really tried to teach them these important skills that I wanted them to take out into the world instead of, well, cross my fingers, hope they got it. This is a really deliberate way to make sure that you're at least getting them that information. And then it's up to them to do something with it. You can't be on their shoulder. You can't be watching every move, but helping them feel like maybe I will test this out. Maybe I will try to be the person that pitches in and, and see what happens. And the great thing is, is good things usually do. Mm. All right. Wrap up with end of podcast questions here. What is something uh, professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Um, Personally, I would love to take my family to Europe. I think that Mm. would be such an incredible adventure. Have you done overseas yet? We have with one one kid for his senior trip. We went and it was really amazing and it just made me want to bring everyone and and have a family experience. Yeah. Uh, we were at church yesterday and the, the guest speaker was a guy from Australia. And I was like, should we go to Australia? Should I look up tickets to I'm like, <laughs> we've like literally never flown more than an hour and a half or two hours with our kids. But I'm like looking up tickets to Australia. I'm like, this is very much my personality though. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. I'm like, do I need to get, cause they don't have like their own personal devices yet. Cause they're still pretty, but I'm like, we could get, I, we could get Kindle fire. Like we could get yeah, those like little they'd things. Be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so my husband will be like, okay, maybe we should try to go to like Mexico first or something. Yeah, right. How about the Bahamas? <laughs> yeah. Um, what is the best, most recent book you've read? Um, I love Lisa Demore's book, mm-hmm. The Emotional Lives of Teenagers. I think it's a must read for anyone with tweens or teens. So okay. excellent. Love it. Um, do you have a kid's book you recommend or like a preteen teen book? Oh, I have so many. Um, but one of our favorite family listens was um, The Remarkable Journey of Wild Coyote. Okay. You could read it or listen to it. I think anyone ages like six and up would love it. We couldn't like we wanted to keep driving. It was so good. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Okay. Um, that's one of the things like my oldest is 11 and obviously doesn't have a phone yet or anything, but I'm like, I want to kind of get him something that he can listen to things like that and listen to music. Like, why don't we have iPods anymore? Well, there is, um, so Gab, I don't know if you've heard of that company. So they are coming out with a new phone and it has um, Spotify and Spotify Kids capabilities. Perfect. Yes. And I believe you can download like Audible so they could listen to books without having the internet or social media. So yeah. I think that's coming out in the next couple of weeks. And I'm really excited. I've got an 11-year-old too. And Is that I'm what you're really looking get, forward to do that. for him? Yeah. yeah. What age right now? you do that? So right now he has the phone or the watch, the oh, Gab like watch. A, and that's uh-huh. been really nice to okay. just keep in touch. Right, um, right. But when he goes to middle school, like the summer before middle school, I said we'd get a that's, not smartphone. <laughs> right. But like a phone. That's kind uh-huh. of my thought when they he goes to middle school next year yeah. to have a way to – because yeah. he's going to be further away, like to contact me, things like that. Yeah. Um, Gab's for sure the route I plan to go there. Yeah. I'm really happy with him. Uh, what is your last message to leave with our audience today? So my last message is one I love for parents and that it's never too late. It's never too late to become the parent that you want to become. You'll never be perfect at it, but it's never too late to start trying to learn new techniques, to try something different. And it's never too late 
to connect with your child. I know 50-year-olds that wish their parents would come and connect with them. And so I think it's innate in us to want a relationship with our parents. So even if your child feels prickly, like they're not interested, um, that's just the outer shell and they want to connect with you and finding ways to do that is worth it. Thank you so much, Brooke. Thanks, Lindsay. That was such a fun conversation. All right, friends. Thanks so much for being here today. To learn more about my guest, go to brookromney.com. To find me on Instagram, I'm lindsayhines626. I would love to connect with you over there. And then, of course, Brooke is Brooke Romney writes on Instagram. Uh, Sign up for our newsletter at sandyboyproductions.com. And we thank you for being here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Share it with a friend if you enjoyed it. And we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?